Good evening, everyone. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Mabale Muloy. Welcome to the Mechanics of Brilliance series. Doesn't that sound great? Mechanics of Brilliance, brought to you by Standard Bank. Now, the aim of this initiative is to focus on the innovative ways in which ideas are being generated for business within the South African and the African entrepreneurial landscape. Now, today, we're going to get a behind-the-scenes look into the processes that go into generating these ideas. And to help us do this, we are very privy to hear the personal stories of arguably two of South Africa's most successful entrepreneurs. What these two gentlemen have in common is that they're both game-changers in their own right. They're innovative in the ideas that they've been able to generate, and of course, they are successful in the sense that their ideas have been implemented and are now running as establishments today. So please help me in welcoming my guests this evening, our first guest. This gentleman is regarded as an entertainment mogul. He's had his hand in radio, in television, in the music industry, and has, had a, has made a success in every single one of these fears. He's a social entrepreneur. He is also the founder of MoFire Energy Drink, South Africa's first 100% black-owned South African beverage. Yeah. <laughs> I am, of course, talking about a man who needs no introduction, Sbusi Soleope, a.k.a. DJ Spoo. Welcome, DJ Spoo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> My next guest is a radio personality, idols judge, thought leader, influencer, and most recently the founder of cliffcentral.com. Now, Cliff Central is an online content hub that offers online streaming, video, blog content, picture content. Um, it also offers podcasts. It was mentioned earlier that Cliff Central, in the year and a few months that it has been launched, has established itself as the number one provider of podcasts on the African continent. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Gareth Cliff. <laughs> I've taught you well. <laughs> Please also help me in uh, welcoming from Standard Bank, the Head of Innovation Capability, Mr. Paul Stienkamp. Good evening, Paul. And we've also got the Senior Manager of Customer Financial Solutions, Mr. Mutladzim Galala. Okay, now... I want to make this a very relaxed and conversational atmosphere. And what I'm going to do towards the end is I'm going to invite questions from you guys. Um, in getting to know the stories of Gareth Cliff and Sabusi Soliope as successful entrepreneurs, and then also just getting to know more about um, the plans, the drive, the, the purpose behind the, the mechanics of brilliance by Standard Bank. And so, Paul, let me begin with you because we walked into these offices this afternoon, this evening, and I've never seen anything like it. You've got swings in this place. You've got like all sorts of things happening downstairs. People can skate. People can do all sorts of things. Now, I can just picture coming into work here every day and not really being productive. <laughs> but I want you to explain to us what was the idea behind what you call this, the playroom, the innovation hub. Just what, what was the, the idea behind this creation? Is this on? Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks for having a token uh, middle-aged guy on the panel. 
It's really nice to be here. Um, so yeah, the Playroom AI agree is absolutely awesome, and it exists for two reasons. Um, the first reason is that we, as a bank, are full of good ideas on what we should be doing from an innovation perspective. Um, but what we're trying to get better at is just checking those ideas with our customers. And that's really the first reason that the Playroom exists. It's a space where we can come and validate from a customer perspective some of the things that we assume are going to be cool and valuable to their lives and businesses. And what's fascinating is very often through that process, which is a design thinking-led process, um, our assumptions are completely pulverized and smashed, and the idea turns into something else. So it's a place where we follow something called human-led design, um, and it requires a lot of humility because you can't have the answer at the beginning of that process. You can have an idea of what you, you think would work, but uh, humility to hold that lightly and actually um, hear from, from, our, from our customers. The second reason it exists is to create a, a cool work environment. And um, there's some incredible – so I'm, a, I'm an HR guy. That's my deep confession. Um, but there's some incredible stuff happening uh, in the human capital world. Um, and if you look to places like the West Coast, there's something called holacracy, which is a social technology. And basically it allows for people to work in a very self-organizing way, small teams running small batch experiments, lots and lots of discretion, almost organizations that are governed by a constitution – um, strong values, uh, a, a purpose from a customer perspective, and but but very much governed by the employees. So no management, um, and and producing the most incredible and continuously innovative businesses um, and radically successful businesses. So yeah, don't be fooled by the the, the, the bean bags and um, and the nice colours. It's it's more than that. It's it's a space that's supposed to keep people energised and interested. Um, and, and doing great things. Motlati, let me bring you in here when we talk about you as a bank, Standard Bank. Um, why this initiative? Why the central focus around innovation and generating ideas? And who specifically within the South African market are you targeting when it comes to this specific focus? Um, I think we have to think about where banking is coming from and where we're going. So if you look at Standard Bank, for example, so we've been in existence for over 150 years. So you have to evolve and create another 150 years. So now we have to say, for us to be able to get into that space of where we make sure that Standard Bank exists for the next 150 years is through innovation. Um, but also we also know that customers that we're banking, they're also changing, and they've, uh, they're changing on a daily basis. Um, and as a result, we also said, thought that we also have to change with the market and say, okay, if you want to do innovate, you want to innovate, the customer is changing. Where would these, how would, what would these customers look like? That's the second one. The third one is we also know that the biggest employer in the country is the government, but also we also know that um, the corporates are shedding jobs. So where is the growth in South Africa going to come from? It's going to come from entrepreneurs. So for us, it makes sense that we actually now we start branding ourselves and building ourselves to look after the entrepreneur and to become a bank for entrepreneurs. But when we do that, we know that there is, it's a win-win situation. Because of they're going to propel the economy, um, all of us are going to have jobs. So we can, they're going to pre uh, provide us with a base that we can bank holistically as a bank. But the starting point, we know that it's supporting entrepreneurs. But also going back to how we think internally in the bank is that we have to also change our thinking as staff to think like entrepreneurs. 
So which means for me to be able to provide a solution for an entrepreneur, I have to start changing my thinking to think like that. So this initiative today is by Standard Bank staff, so you can see that it's quite an innovative um, initiative or solution that we, we're talking about today. So it all comes together, but we are focusing on um, entrepreneurs. So now, Paul, in, in, in touching on the, the, the point made of changing the way that the bank is thinking, how do you then attract a Gareth Cliff or a DJ Spoo? How do you reach out to these entrepreneurs? What language do you speak to them? How do you as a bank make yourself appealing to them? What is your strategy? So I, I think one of the first things we've got to do is this, it can't be about us. I think banks for many, many years, if you look at the way they position themselves, it's kind of, they, you know, they're the heroes and, you know, uh, the customers are lucky to be associated with them. I think we need to flip that and we need to drive a culture where it's an honor to serve entrepreneurs. Um, and we need to respect that, you know, entrepreneurs take accountability for, for fixing things, for pursuing gaps. They are brave um, and adventurous, uh, and that has huge implications for the way that we engage them and, and um, provide a service to them. And then also that they are very committed to their, their callings um, and that you know, we need to walk a, a road with them and not sort of see them transactionally on a very short-term, uh, you know, transaction-by-transaction basis. So, yeah, there are lots of things that we, we need to do, but... I think the point's been well made. We, we almost need to stop thinking like people who earn salaries and start thinking more like people who create value and jobs um, if we're really to, to deliver well to entrepreneurs. Motlatsi, what's the desired end goal for you as Standard Bank? What are you hoping to achieve through this initiative? Um, <laughs> difficult questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, um, we know that in order for us to attract the entrepreneurs, you have to provide, you have to also create the base um, for entrepreneurs. For us, you have to create the space for us to, uh, for the entrepreneurs to, th entrepreneurs to thrive, and so that we'll have a community to bank. So that's the end goal. So you do this in order to allow people to come in spaces like this to innovate, um, and also be able to deliver what they want to deliver. Um, and for us, then it becomes a, a base that we will tap into in the future. Um, one of the initiatives that we have as a bank, we've got the, um, what's that space on the other side? Uh, the incubator. And the incubator gives the, the entrepreneurs a space, people to come through, to come in and, um, work through their ideas and, and they pay nothing. But for us, it's quite important because that's the end game. So as we help become the part and parcel, of the solution to um, to create entrepreneurs because that's where our bread and butter is going to come from in the future. Okay, well, let me bring the entrepreneurs into the conversation at this point. Um, TJ Spoo, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get ideas to the spark, so to speak. There's an initial idea, but some people get business ideas more frequently than others. And you strike me as a kind of person who, for, for you, it's easy to get an idea and to generate ideas. Now, take us through that process for you. What, how does it work for you? Do, you? do you wake up on a random day and then an idea just comes to you? Or do you go out into the world and specifically look for ways to find a solution to something? And in that way, an idea will come to you. How does the spark happen for you? Um, 
I, I think you know number one for us to be associated with a with a brand like Standard Bank is 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 quite an honor as as Mofab Beverage Company, and obviously as a Busisolo Education Foundation. You you mentioned that I'm a social entrepreneur, so I'll, I'll from time to time you know mention my foundation and the work that we do with um, schools out there. I come from a creative space, so we're having a chat with Gareth outside there, and he talks about he's talking to these wonderful um, smart young gentlemen who've just joined Cliff Central and the amazing work that they do. And he speaks about once you, he speaks about him getting fired. So I've been fired twice, right? <laughs> so, so, so that's another thing that you two have in common. <laughs> <laughs> so I got fired at YFM a couple of years ago. And, you know, they brought me back on board a couple of weeks later. And, um, you know, we started a record company. Mzegazega was born, <laughs> you know. And, you know, he, you know he, he actually made me a bit of money. Um, he made some money himself as well. <laughs> So I got fired as well just recently at Metro FM. But what is interesting about us is we come from a creative environment. Um, you can tell, obviously, I'm an entertainer. And as an entertainer, you always got to be innovative, think creatively, creating music, creating television shows, creating different ideas to entertain people. That takes a lot of... Uh, uh, efforts from your left brain. But if you are that type of person, it's effortless because that's your gift. But from the very beginning of my career, I've always wanted to, you know, to um, be in charge of my own destiny. I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I've never worked for anybody. I've worked for, tel I did my own service training at Telcom. And then from there, I was in the entertainment space where I've never really worked for anybody. I've been an independent um, uh, um, uh, 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 independent person. I started my own record company from nothing, from scratch. I've helped build brands and musicians who then become superstars and became successful in their own right. But what inspires me is, is creativity, to create. And, and when he was speaking about if you lose that fear, then you, know, you are able to achieve whatever you want to achieve. A few weeks ago, I was bungee jumping, and I was scared, but you know, I conquered that fear. And the next, you know, the next thing is to go and skydive. But when I was, when I was at the top, they are about to jump. Um, I was so scared, but when I, after I jumped, everything else that has been happening over the past couple of weeks, ever since I did that bungee jumping, has just fueled my hunger and my ambition. And I'm literally fearless because nobody pays my paycheck. I don't rely on anybody, but I have to serve my people with whatever I'm doing. So the people come first, just like what Standard Bank is trying to do. So everything that I think of first is the kids that I serve through my foundation and the market that I'm selling to, whether it's my energy drink, whether it's my next book, whatever it might be. Anybody else doesn't matter. As long as I'm not breaking any rules, if it's the government or it's some important person, for me, you don't matter because somebody pays you a paycheck and you you know, you got security and I don't. So you can never really understand how I do things the way I do things and where I'm coming from. There isn't a way in which you can tell me how I must do things. It, you know, you, you, you are confined, you've read it in the book or somebody tells you it's supposed to be done that way, not me. If it works for me and I'm not breaking any rules, I'm going to do it. And I don't care who says what. So I don't have the fear and I don't care who says what. So a lot of people, as they worry what people are going to say or a lot of people are scared, they've got the fear. Gareth, let's rewind a year and five months back when Cliff Central didn't even exist. Um, and then on the day that the idea came to you, what was that process like? How did it happen? Did it literally fall out of the sky and you said, you said yes, Cliff Central? <laughs> How does the um, process happen when that spark First of all, I want happens? you to notice that I'm wearing my Standard Bank blue. <laughs> Mine's even more like that standard bank. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I suppose right. I mean, none of these things just happen, really. You, a good idea comes along every now and then, and so many good ideas go to waste because you can't act on them. And I'm sure there are people in this room who've had tremendous ideas. That no one here is probably more or less creative than anyone else. It's a question of, of necessity for some people. And for other people, it's the luxury of being creative, um, which I think was what we both went through in different ways. But I also think it's a question of the, the people you surround yourself with and the things you do with the talented people that you meet along the way. There's no doubt that Spu and I both have networks of people who we've engaged with for a long time. I mean, I have an incredible business partner in Rina who's sitting here too. But meeting guys like, like Weza and Simpiwe and Lisejo, to me, that is the beginning of a network that may launch an entirely new business two, three years from now. And who knows that Spoo and I won't do more business together in the future. But it's being open to what there's a need for, which you partly hinted at, Mubs. But it's also part of what... I think this country really needs. There's so many gaps to be filled. There's so many people who need to find a place for themselves where they can really add value for the community, for the country, uh, for their families. And if we can create those spaces and if we can be part of the process that makes all of that happen, then we're winning. And I don't doubt for a second that we're in the right place at the right time to do all of that. DJ Spoo, what for you drives innovation? Is it the competitive edge to want to be the best? Is it uh, because you want to do better for the next guy, the younger guy coming, coming after you? What for you drives innovation? For me, it is, is, is the people. You need to remember, as a social entrepreneur, my, my first person that I'm thinking of is the people I'm serving, the people I'm helping. So it's about the people. Other people have structured their businesses such that, you know, they are um, chasing the bottom line. I've structured my businesses such that if I'm changing one life, I'm happy. You know, we were talking with Gareth earlier and we were saying, once you, you follow your passion, you know, the money will come at a later stage. I never used to understand that when I was a little bit younger. I used to work very hard and just chase money, chase money, chase money. Money just runs away. You make a bit of money here and there, but it's just running away. But once I started maturing and I had, a, I had an awesome, beautiful baby girl, my mindset started changing and just, you know, leaving my purpose, which is serving people, has been totally awesome. Every business um, venture that I'm part of has been inspired by wanting to help people on the ground. I don't see a lot of social entrepreneurs in this country. I don't see a lot of people who tailor make their businesses to benefit the end consumer. Um, CSI work is just a by the way. But for me, from the very first can that you buy a Standard Bank, you guys, but thank you. You bought a pellet of Mofi. <laughs> um, <laughs> that on its own, you're benefiting somebody's life out there because some of the proceeds go into my foundation, which then educates kids and people know that it's credible. It's been educating kids over the years. For me now, it's, it's no longer having to go knock on doors and ask for money every year or bursaries to go educate kids. I've created a product that links in with my lifestyle because I used to, you know, drive long distances. I used to be a DJ and travel all over the show and I needed energy. And when we did our R&D, our research and development and with my business partner, we understood that carbonated drinks, the graph is actually slowly going down. Energy drinks are growing 
um, in leaps and bounds in this continent. And none of them are owned by black people. Are all, oh, they're all owned by overseas companies and they dominate the market. But who's the biggest consumer of all these products? They are black people. Black people are the majority of uh, people in this country and this continent. So why don't we create our, our own product that's going to benefit these people and certain proceeds then go into this foundation so we don't have to knock on doors and ask for bursaries. Now we've got money that we're making through them having to buy an energy drink. They don't have to do anything else. We don't have to change people's behavioral patterns. The only thing they have to do is just like a radio station, instead of them listening to this radio station, they can still do whatever they do. Just when they get into their car, instead of going that way, they might just go this way. So it's the same thing. When you open the fridge, if you're educated enough about our product and it actually tastes nice and it's a good product, instead of buying that brand, rather buy our brand. And in that way, you've contributed in helping me help some kid out there, or that kid is probably your little sister. So what in, what, what inspires me to be creative as much as I can is actually the end consumer. My bread brand that's going to be coming next year, that bread is the same thing. Certain proceeds go into my foundation. My foundation then educates kids. Why, why bread? Because bread is a necessity in this country. I grew up on bread. An energy drink is a by the way, or it's a luxury, but bread is a necessity. How many black people consume loaves of bread every day? But why, wh what are these companies doing to benefit the end consumer? Nothing. So what inspires me is the gap in the market market to benefit the end consumer. Um, Gareth, how much of the fact that you are in the public eye is playing in the back of your mind when you are being a trendsetter, or at least this is what you get called, you're a trendsetter, you're a thought leader, you're an innovator, you're an influencer. How much of the pressure of being watched by everybody else is playing in the back of your mind when you're constantly being expected to up your game, to be creative, to be innovative, to change the game? Mabali, you know, um, Spruik can probably vouch for this too. There are a lot of people who, when you're in the public eye, I suppose they watch you a lot, a lot more closely than they'd watch us if we were in plumbing before and we went into being electricians. And let's say we were really good plumbers. You still don't watch a plumber. And when the plumber goes and starts something new and different, you don't watch the plumber and go, oh, it's going to be a disaster because this plumber's taking risks. But with us, I suppose it's also a question of we have a lot of supporters. We have a lot of people who, who, who like what we do, who care about what we do. And having been in the media business and having been a public figure, there are a lot of people you could take with you wherever you go, which is an enormously powerful advantage. But there are also a lot of people who don't like you and who actively, because you're a public figure, would like to say that, oh, I knew he wouldn't succeed. So you've got to put all of that aside and you've got to go, I'm doing this for the right reasons. Number one, we'll create something different for the end user, as Boo said, that can be arranged to benefit them. In our case, it's a product that was not available a year and five months ago. Um, it's a product that, that has created 12 hours a day, five days a week of incredible, original African content that nobody else could do except the people who do those shows. And it's also to create value for the people who are doing those shows, who didn't have a platform to do their thing on. Um, there is no doubt in my mind that we, ca we can expand and we're infinitely scalable. We could do 10 different cliff central channels in the next year and a half, two years. We could have a 1,000 podcasts a day being pumped out by people who do anything from the most narrow-focused subject to the most enormous, wide-ranging, global topic, and that it would find an audience. 
because there are as many different shows as there are people. And whatever you want, my ultimate dream there is to create a show for you and for everybody so that individually everyone in this room can find what they're looking for. Um, that's got to start here. It's got to start here because this is the continent of innovation. This is the place where there are gaps in the market. This is the place where consumers are the, the only place in, on, the continent, on, on the whole globe, in fact, uh, where, where we have an unsaturated market in terms of products, in terms of uh, manufacturing, in terms of content, in terms of development. We have all this room and we have a burgeoning population of young people, not old people, young people who are hungry to learn, to advance, to make money, to buy the things that they want. Um, this You couldn't be in a better place than here. And so I think that the short answer to this is that you have to think as if there are no restrictions. You mustn't worry about what people say. Because if you really have a good idea, the only thing that you should be listening to is criticism that you can incorporate into the idea to make it better, and not criticism that is about you. It doesn't worry me when people talk about me. It would worry me a lot more if they weren't talking about me. You agree? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so he's already interviewing. Because as, as long as they talk, as long as they're talking about you, then then you're relevant. Then you're being relevant. But then DJ Spoo, uh, you know, Gareth talks about shutting out every other voice and then just listening to your own constructive criticism. But once the idea is there, the spark has happened. What do you do with that little doubt that creeps in to say, "Is it a good idea?" or that fear that creeps in to say. But what if it doesn't work? How do you then shut that down and say, no, hang on, I'm going to do this? For me, in this space in my career right now, it's, uh, it's, um, it's easier because, you know, we started out with a, uh, we started, our first brand that we built was a brand called Mzegeze. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Found memories. You keep laughing every time you mention Zegazek. Um, after we, <laughs> when we made that a success, for me the sky was the limit. There isn't anything that people can say, or there isn't anything that can scare me from creating anything, because we created somebody that couldn't sing, somebody that you know didn't have any looks he was wearing a mask he was just wearing overalls he didn't dress nice or look good or have a six pack this was a talentless person who was breaking every boundary and who was who was who just believed in making himself a success and when that succeeded um i guess for me i believe i can do anything and and that's the reason why i openly tell people that i'm going to become a billionaire because I've convinced myself and I believe it. I believe it so much that every day when I wake up, it's a step forward to me becoming a billionaire. And I'm not going to become a billionaire because I'm a capitalist and I'm just, you know, literally selfishly thinking about myself. But I want ordinary young black people out there to believe that they actually can. Because I love the fact that I tell people before it happens. So that when it does happen, it inspires um, a generation of people. So, yes, I'm a human being. You know, you do get, a, you know, a, those little voices of, of doubt here and there. But for me, it's 
different than an ordinary person because I've got a track record of making things succeed. In the music industry alone, I've created more than 10 brands whom, whom I'll make a, a, an example with either Zahara or, or a brown, you know, brown dash may so rest in peace where you're taking an ordinary, ordinary township or rural person, young person who's talented and you just don't turn them into you know, employing them in their property. No, you make them a millionaire. <laughs> you turn them into a success. You know, a successful, highly, extremely successful individual who is in a highest um, earning bracket in the country. To be able to do that over and over and not just turn their life around, but create them into a brand where if they run well and they manage it well on their own, even if they don't want to work with you one day, they can sell multiple other products because you've helped them become a brand. And and for me, having to do that over and over, I'm somebody who who never... I'm recognized as failure anymore. You know, if, if I start a project and it's, and it fails, I move on to the next one. I never, you know, crawl back into a corner and be like, yo, no, I move on to the next one. I've, I've had a lot of failing projects. I still have a lot of failing projects, but I don't listen to voices in my head or other people tell me it's going to be a failure. I'd rather go get it done, work so hard on it and then see it fail myself. And then I decide, how do I fix it? Or do I just move on to the next project? So I'm, so I believe in myself that much. So it's the confidence. And the more the more wins you get, the more confident you become. I, I just I just want to say I don't feel I don't feel that way at all, <laughs> because <laughs> because I especially when we started this project I was filled with doubt, but I just kept it to myself. So I didn't let anybody except maybe Rena know. But I I would go to sleep at night, and I wouldn't sleep at night, and I'd be worried that. Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Will these people come in? Will those people come in? What's, where's the money going to come from? Are we going to do enough sales this month? And I still get those momentary panics. I've always believed in me. I've never had a problem with, with self-confidence. And that's where I can completely identify with what Spoo's saying. But when you rely on other people, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fiercely independent. I've really only worked for myself ever. So I've never needed to be a team player or a manager or any of those things before. So I'm, I'm learning new things about me. But when you are completely inexperienced in those fields, you're bound to have some doubts in the beginning. I feel like I have some doubts when it comes to certain things that I'm not tested in. Radio, put me in front of a mic, I'm fine. I'll handle that. I'll be able to do a killer show any other day and twice on Sundays. But make me, make me a manager of people, I shit myself. And, and, and make me worry about the balance sheet when it's not just my balance sheet. There are, there are times when you worry. And it's never an easy road. You know this as well as I do. And I'm sure that you guys do, having looked at the millions of companies that you deal with every day, that these things go like this. And there has to be a, a huge amount of self-awareness rather than just self-confidence. Um, and I think you've got to listen to the right people. Uh, that's very important. There have got to be people you can trust, who have got your back, who will tell you, you know what, that might not be such a good idea. And even if you go with your gut, which is most of the time what any of us will do, you just have that voice as a cautionary, so that if you go a little too far, you've heard what might happen, and you pull back at just the right moment too. Because there's no, in entrepreneurship, there's no guidebook, especially when you're developing something that has never been developed before the first black-owned energy drink in South Africa, doing the kind of philanthropy, the social entrepreneurship that you're doing, um, doing what we've done at Cliff Central. There's no blueprint. There's no course that you can chart 
And it, it goes, if you just set the thing in that direction and you tip it this way every now and then, it'll all work out beautifully. Every day you're changing the game plan to make sure that it keeps going in the direction you need to try and maneuver past some obstacles. You need to deal with a couple of setbacks. You need to deal with huge uh, advantages that might come your way. But you have to be able to dance on a magic carpet that's moving underneath you. Now, Gareth, you talk about a, a blueprint, and um, I want to ask you both this question because it's all well and good to have an idea, but an idea remains an idea unless you can implement it. You know, you have the spark, but then you actually need to start the engine to get the idea going. So let me, give, let me begin with you and Cliff Central. Now you have this idea, internet radio, yes. How did you go about crafting it? What steps did you take? What, how did you go about implementing and making sure that this happens? Well, you start with what you really believe in, and it's values, and it's, and it's the vision that you have that you establish either quietly on your own or by talking to people you trust. And for me, one of the sacred things that we must be very proud of in this country is this freedom of expression that we have. And the one place where you have complete freedom of expression is on the Internet. And then you start putting together the idea of will people come? How do we do this? What do we do for them? How do we make it work best for them? How do we convert people? Is this necessarily the future? Is this the way that, that the market's moving? Is this the way that technology is moving? How can we use and harness technology to make things possible? And then it's meeting people along the way who can make that difference. I mean, Sia, who's sitting here behind me, Sia got out of school and emailed us and said he wants to come and see us. He, he had just finished matric. And he agreed to work for us for nothing for a couple of months. And we identified immediately a talent and someone who we wanted to take on this journey with us. When you meet people like that, they, they give you a boost. They help you figure out a lot of the things on the way. We've got a great team of people at Cliff Central. Um, it's a small staff. It's 13 people at the moment, all of us included. But when you listen, it sounds like there are 100 people working there. And we do have, obviously, we have, you know, 50 uh, presenters or 30 presenters or whatever it is. But the point is that all of this has happened without necessarily that much direction. It's also trusting things to go the right way and working with situations as they arise. So making the best of this situation, trying to extract real value out of that situation, looking for opportunities for yourself and for other people in this business. And I think that's exciting. That's not something that scares me. The implementation is actually the last step because you see the possibility and you just start moving the pieces on the board. And then that, that becomes implementation ultimately. DJ Spoo, what was your action plan in getting more fire onto the shelves, actually getting it onto the shelves where people are buying it and they're consuming it? What steps did you take? I, I think for me, from starting a record company, uh, you know, I started out as just a talent. I knew nothing about a business. I knew nothing about running a record company. I just part, I, I met a gentleman who had worked for record companies for years, and his name was T.K. Lisa, who was a brilliant business person who actually taught me a lot of the things that I know and who made me believe in myself. He was that voice every day that said, you the shit. You are the shit. <laughs> you know? Like, you can. We can. You can. We can. You know, I consistently had that, that voice. That was there. Sometimes even when I doubted myself, he was there to say, You know, he was a bigger brother 
that, you know, gave me all of that advice and that push and that confidence. But he knew how a record company operated. He had worked for, from back in those days, Abu Polygram. He had worked for Lanster's Ghetto Rough. He had worked for, um, you know, In Time Inc. Abu, Abu Vaughn. He had worked for the Gallows of this world. So he understood how a record company operates. And that's how he became successful in the record business. How I became successful running uh, an education foundation, it was just from the goodness of our hearts that we want to go to the to the townships and just go speak to schools. It just started with just us going to speak to schools when I was still at YFM. And then as you go along and you continue doing this work and you're on this journey, certain people get attracted to the work that you're doing and they can actually add value. And then we started getting advice. Actually, you guys can formalize this thing into a form of stru- a proper structure. It can be run as a business, but as a non-profit. And so you guys are able to have, you know, audited financials, you can have structure, you can have people that work there that get stipends, and it's easier for you guys to also get funding, whether from overseas donors or from local companies that, you know, can want to partner with you. Right now we're funded by the lottery, which is awesome because our 21 volunteers, they get their stipends, they get to do the work, we've got an office, that's the non-profit, that's the foundation. And when it comes to leadership, 2020, it's the same thing. I partnered with a gentleman called Nicholas Regisford. I partnered with a gentleman called Marlon Smith, who's based in the States. Uh, I partnered with a lady called um, Desiree. These are smart people with their master's degrees, with experience of uh, working in corporate environments and people who understand business. I'm not that type of person. I'm unstructured. I'm an entrepreneur. And exactly what he was talking about, you need people that say, okay, hold on here. <laughs> you know, Let, why don't we do things? Because I, I, I'm not like them. I'm out of order, basically, you know. <laughs> so you need people that put you back into order. So basically, in, in, in summarizing everything is the people that you surround yourself with. And how I met all these people is through my journey, just like what he was talking about. Same thing with more fire. I met a, gen- I met a gentleman who's a chemical engineer by profession, who's a mining development expert, who's built three mines in his life. So he ch- in his life, he just finished building Kalahari Manganese under the leadership of Mama Daphne Mashilongosi. He's worked for Chevron. He's worked for Anglo, De Beers. And, and he's, a, he's a really, really, really smart gentleman who has been able to be the brains behind Mofire. He did the research and development. He pulled in the right people who are going to come through and offer us the right skills. We paid some people some money to give us certain things that we couldn't do ourselves. I'm just the entrepreneur. I'm just the, the person that markets the product. I'm just good at what I do. But I've got a team of people whom I have decided to surround myself with who make me look like um, I'm the success that I am. You know. Yeah. But I, I think for every entrepreneur out there, it's about teamwork because you can never do it by yourself. Now, Paul and, and Motlati, let me bring you you both back into this into the conversation here because DJ Spoo makes you know he 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 made a good point. He said first of all he didn't know anything about business, and then I think I think between the two of them, it's pretty evident for us to see that they are a little bit crazy and they're wild, and you know they need to be managed and controlled. And so for you as as Standard Bank, here's a an entrepreneur comes in and says, "I have this idea. It's innovative," which is what this initiative is about. How do you then weigh out um, whether or not this is something that is innovative and exciting and something that you can back, or whether this is something that is completely crazy and you want to stay far away from it? How do you weigh out that balance as the bank? Cool. I think, um, like I said at the beginning, that we're going through this journey where we said now we want to be the bank of entrepreneurs. It is quite a new space um, for us, even though one can argue that you've been doing and funding businesses and small businesses. But I think it also asks us to question 
our business models. Because to that point he's making, it's very difficult to take depositors' money and say, he's got an idea, but I don't see the idea. I don't see how, where he's going to go and say, I'm going to fund it. But it's, it's, it's a space for us which is quite interesting now because what we try to do now is to get these types of insights. Like I said to you, Ayla, that now when we do this business uh, of banking, now we have to start thinking like entrepreneurs. Um, but now we're building the business and building the insights from these types of con- conversation and the customers that we've got. Um, but you also have to start up start where you also are willing to give money um, to some ideas and say, let's see and structure these and see how it goes. Um, and then you start learning the process of how I score this idea. How would I get to a point where I say it's it's viable and I'm going to get back the money? Because remember, as a bank, I must give the money and I must collect it back. So how do I make sure? But also, how do I help him become the success? Because if I do that, I'm guaranteed that I'm going to get back the money. You see. So in the past, we would do yes, <laughs> yes we'll pay, pay back the money. Yes, pay back the money. <laughs> yeah. So, so in the past, what we did at is least that, with Standard Bank, yes. we guarantee you to get back the money. So in the so in the past, what we did is that we'd give you the the cash, and then month end we ask, please bring us the money. But <laughs> but now you you fund the business and you participate in the success of that business. So you build tools, you give them access to. Um, for example, um, accounting softwares, which you probably an entrepreneur won't think about. Say, all I want, I've got an idea, I just want it to work. But we know that there's an engine behind that needs to make that business work. We then start connecting you with uh, such businesses or such tools for you to make a success. And that's how um, we are approaching it as well. Paul, would you like to add to that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think banks should unapologetically qualify that you know the money that we lend is not the banks it's you know teachers pension funds for example so we have to be responsible in how we lend that i think the trick is for for people to um test their ideas quickly and in a small scale way and be willing to hold them lightly enough that if they need to turn into something else or be killed that that happens you know i think gone are the days where we can we, we anyone in any business is going to write big checks uh, for an idea, we might write a very small check and say, "Go and run a little experiment and see what happens." Uh, get 50 people using it, get 500 people using it, and um, and check that you can actually make money doing this, uh, or build just the minimum viable version of it. Just a you know something that that appears to the customer like it's 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 quite sophisticated and great, but you're scrambling around in the background and it's stuck together with sticky tape and chewing gum, and the customer doesn't know but is willing to pay for it. So I think this whole notion of do the minimum that you can, um, see if you can monetize it, um, and be prepared to, um, you know, change it into something else quickly, you know, adapt it quickly, uh, or, or just move on to the next thing as soon as you can. Gareth, along this process of first getting the idea and then now you've implemented it, there are bound to be obstacles, challenges, speed bumps in the road. And so when those come... What does your thought process need to be to get you over those? I mean, you keep hearing frightening statistics of how X percent of businesses fail, uh, don't expect any turnover within the first two years. What, what were some of the challenges and obstacles uh, for you and Cliff Central? And what did you need to tell yourself to overcome those? Well, I believed in it, and, and it wasn't a question of convincing myself. But it was, there were a lot of people who in the beginning said, oh, no, this will never work because, and then they start giving you all the reasons why it will fail. 
which is precisely the reason that they haven't started it themselves. Because what they're really telling you is that for all these reasons, I'm too afraid to try what you're trying. So you're going to fail too. Which, which is a it's circular logic. So what you have to do is you either have to have the attitude that I'm going to prove you wrong, I'm going to make this work. Or more especially, because I'm not interested in proving other people wrong, I'm interested in creating something where there wasn't anything before. You know, uh, Spoo will feel this too. The problem with doing radio shows is you create them and then they're gone. As soon as you finish them, that show's finished. Then it's on to the next show. So you never really have a body of work. I mean, between us, we've probably done... 30,000 hours on air, easily. Now, if you add that up together, that's more than you need, according to uh, Malcolm Gladwell, to be a master at something. You need 10,000 hours, he says. So between us, we've got two master's degrees, at very least, in radio. But it means nothing. I wanted to create a business here that, that becomes a track record for me and creates a place where other people can have a track record too. And where you do things that no one else is doing, and you're allowed to take risks. And if you do meet those obstacles that you're talking about, Mabali, when you hit those obstacles, you see them as opportunities. Because if you allow yourself to be tripped up by every obstacle, and if you allow everyone else to say, oh, well, data costs are too high, or oh, not so many people have smartphones, or all these other things that they throw at you, you've got to look at it and go, well, that's exactly why I'm doing this, because I will prove those obstacles are exactly that. They're just obstacles on the path. But the road carries on after them, and we're going to keep following that yellow brick road. And one day, I'll make that path clear for everyone else. So the things that you're uncovering, it's like being the eldest child. You have to go to school first so that it's okay for your younger brother and sister. <laughs> then, you, then you have to go to university first. It's okay for your younger brother and sister. Then you start a job first, and they go, oh, okay, this job thing is not so scary. The younger ch- siblings never know how hard it was for the eldest one to do that first. And you just got to do it. It's part of what you have to get through to get to that billionaire status that he's talking about later on. And we're not there yet, but I guarantee you between us and between everybody else in this room, the future's in safe hands. There are going to be a lot of rich people in this room if we all got together in 10, 15 years from now. And it won't come from money. It will come from creating value. Creating value for yourself, creating value for others, creating value for the country. All these people who come upon money quickly, easy come, easy go. Um, They're not going to hold on to that money. It's like people who do win the lottery. I mean no ill for your sponsors. (laughs) But people who win the lottery and that money comes so easily and there are no obstacles, usually, this is a statistical fact, it's not my opinion, usually within two, three years after winning the lottery, those people are exactly where they started before they won. Because it's not money that makes you successful. It's that you have created something valuable. And that's where wealth comes into it, too, instead of just riches, just bling. And you also figure that out the hard way. But obstacles, not a problem. Now, for you, DJ Spoo, today you can proudly own the accolade of being the first 100% black-owned beverage country, uh, beverage company in this country. <laughs> the first 100% black-owned beverage uh, company in this country. But, I mean, for you... When the obstacles were coming at you left, right, and center, how were you dealing with them, and what were these challenges? 
I guess for every entrepreneur, you, you know, you're going to experience challenges. For every human being, actually, there's challenges, but it's just the right attitude. You know, you, you got to have the right mind to be able to deal with obstacles. Now, how I've been trained or how I've trained my mind over the years is to see opportunity when other people see obstacles. The simplest example that I'll speak about now is um, the controversy or the saga that I had with Forbes a couple of months ago. You know, um, you know, for, for some of you who don't know where there was a, um, somebody photoshopped my face on a, they put me on a cover of a Forbes uh, magazine because of an article that our energy drink actually earned from Forbes in the US. And, you know, I shared that link on social media, excited about being one of the um, three companies that were featured in Africa who are making strides in the beverage industry. And when I shared that, you know, you get congratulated by people and somebody photoshopped my face into the cover of the magazine. I actually liked it. It was beautiful. So I started <laughs> sharing it, you know. And when I started sharing it, those guys at Forbes had been working for months to get an interview with the richest man in Africa, Alako Dangote. And now everybody's talking about this cover with Smoo, and they're irritated, and they actually don't know what um, Mr. Aloko Dangate's people are going to say and how angry they're going to be, that the actual next issue that's coming is Aleko's issue. And that's basically how it started. So they did a press statement and a press release that says that distances themselves from the cover, and then obviously the media picks it up, and uh, you know I was I was a, a victim of the backlash from the people, which I was happy about because they were talking about more fire, <laughs> and the cover of the or the cover of that cover I had a more fire can, and everybody was just talking about more fire. I couldn't care less. I was very excited, you know. <laughs> but for me, I saw an opportunity where I'm being mentioned alongside Forbes, which you know is a very big brand globally, and I saw an opportunity to help these guys appeal to the ordinary entrepreneur on the ground because when people watch that channel. They just see a lot of numbers. They don't even know what those numbers mean. It's just guys in suits and ties in Nigeria and Kenya talking about Africa, talking about business on high level. And I'm thinking, guys, you don't have any business shows or entrepreneurship shows that speak to the ordinary entrepreneur on the ground who's got daily challenges and struggles. I believe I can bring you that audience. And I believe you guys ever since have been in this country, you've never had so much mileage. You know, no, so many people speak about your brand like, you know, it has happened with me and your saga. And they actually saw a point because, you know, for you to be able to convince Stunner Bank, you got to talk uh, the language of numbers. So we're talking numbers. So it wasn't me just thumb sucking and saying all these great ideas that I had. It's actually them doing, you know, their, 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 um, checking their numbers and their stats and seeing, geez, like we've been spoken about so much. We've been trending and we've been, maybe we can do something with this guy. Introduce them to the type of work that my foundation is doing, what Leadership 2020, my educational services company is doing, what MoFire stands to achieve, what we want to do. And the fact that I'm not just going to be a guy that's going to give you guys this great idea or business show and just be an anchor. I'm literally walking the talk because everybody knows that I'm an, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and everybody knows I've got a track record of success. And everybody knows that I've got traction. I pull in numbers. So I'm the right guy to partner with you guys on these issues. And we partnered on Forbes. We've got editorial contributions starting from next month on every issue. We've got a partnership on the TV side, on the TV show, the sponsorship that comes. By the way, Standard Bank would be the right sponsors for the TV show. <laughs> See, that's how entrepreneurs think, right? <laughs> So the show debuted last night, uh, the night before, Tuesday evening. It's on 8.30, 52 episodes for the next year. We partners with them. We don't have a sponsor yet. It, it trended in three African countries. It had amazing impressions. And uh, it's an awesome show. It's informative. It's innovative. It's sharp. It's pioneering. And they've never had such a, 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 um, a product on their platform, which I think that's how people should start um, approaching challenges. When there's a challenge, no matter how hard or painful, 
painful it might be, there's always an opportunity. Now, let's talk about a phase that happens after overcoming the obstacles and the challenges and you're in the swing of things and now you get into the acceleration phase. And for you, Gareth, all of a sudden you've got people like Justice Malala on cliffcentral.com. You've got Trevor Goomby. You've got Adrian Grunewald. You've got all these big names coming onto cliffcentral.com. DJ's boo. DJ's boo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you've got now people paying attention and they're saying, oh, yes, cliffcentral.com. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to work. Is this the point at which you know that you've cracked it? Like, yes, this idea was a success. I don't know if you ever, if you ever, you can't really feel, okay, we're there. Because the minute you feel we're there, you lose the desire to keep improving. And you have to keep improving. I don't see this thing as slowing down, but every couple of days you have to stop and go, sure, look where we are compared to where we were a year ago. That's good to do. So you take stock. Um, and often I'll think, wow, there was nothing here before. Now there's this. Um, but you, you never stop. You never go, we've, now we've made it. Now we're in the clear. That, you should never accept that as, as a place where you should be able to stop. And I think from a business point of view, what I'm really encouraged by is the fact that now a lot of big businesses that want to reach really, really smart audiences are starting to realize that we're the place to do it because it's measurable, because we can do anything in the shortest space of time. We can create content for those businesses, especially if they're businesses that aren't content creators, because that's our speciality. Every single thing we do every day is creating content, original, funny, informative, empowering, or inspiring content. And we do that better than anyone else. So we're going to put a lot of other people out of business, and that makes me excited, not because I want to put them out of business, but because we can do what they're doing so much better because we've got our eye on tomorrow. We're not looking at it a traditional way. So when it comes to advertising, marketing, content creation, branded content, we're going to be the best in this country, and we're going to start a whole new sector in the industry, in, in the marketing media creative advertising industry, where there's been copycat after copycat. You've got above the line, below the line, social, digital agencies, and all of these, and I've just named four out of the 20 different kinds of agencies that actually all are meant to do the same thing. And we will be doing, you'll be your one-stop shop for all of that stuff, and it'll be authentic, and it'll punch through the noise, because the one thing we know about our audience is they have come to find us. They haven't just stumbled upon us on the dial, they haven't just found us because of advertising somewhere else. This is something they have sought out. There are a couple of hoops they have to jump through to get it. So if you listen to, listen to gentlemen by choice, even if there are only 500 of you, those 500 are the 500 I want to get through to if I'm selling the kind of product that these guys represent, if I'm selling the kind of future for South Africa that they represent. Each one of their listeners is worth a 1,000 FM radio listeners to me and to an advertiser. Gentlemen, gentlemen, let me get some insights from you as a way of wrapping things up from my side, and then I would like to open, um, allow members uh, from, from the audience to ask questions if they have any. Um, DJ Spoo, is there such a thing as a bad business idea, and if so, 
what is the difference between a good idea and a bad idea? <laughs> it's, geez, I can't judge people's ideas. You know, you never know. But I guess what, what, what guides you is, is the future. You know, the industry that he's chosen. Um, everybody is, is growing. The middle class, the middle class in this country is growing. More and more people are being able to afford uh, smartphones. Um, they've just launched Atswane as a, a, a Wi-Fi free um, zone. And, you know, Joburg is coming up next. Pakistan is working on it. And other metros are going to be. So basically the industry he's in, it's growing. And he's done his research well and he knew that that's where it's going. Because every, very soon in the next, I don't know, if I can be 5, 10, 20 years, the whole country will be Wi-Fi, just like, you know, in America. It's the same thing with us. More and more people are moving away from carbonated drinks, and they're moving into energy drinks, because they can get, um, you know, bigger quantity at a lesser price. They can buy Dragon down the road, they're a taxi driver, and they know it gives them a kick, and it's cheaper than an ordinary carbonated drink. So that market is growing. But who's taking all of that market? All these overseas companies. So we had to do our R&D proper and get proper figures and be guided by where the market is going. So if you do your research well, and you look at where that industry is growing, if there's going to be a future in that industry in the next 5, 10, 20 years, then I'd say whatever idea it might be that you might come up with is actually a good idea if you want to service that market. But a lot of people come up with ideas to want to make money. And, you know, I'm past that stage. It's not about making the money. So when I'm confidently saying to you I'm a billionaire under construction is because I know that my products or my businesses are going to benefit so many people so much so that when a lot of them learn about my offerings or my business offerings, everybody's going to go, is, is going, you know, is going to come, is, is going to come to, towards my products and my businesses. And I'm going to be servicing those people because once they're educated enough to see the results that I'm producing, when I start taking those kids in a few months time in January, based on the more fire sales we've made this year, they start saying, geez, he's actually already taking kids to school in January 2016. So he's taking them to school because we bought more fire. No matter how little we bought of it. So the more of it we buy, the more kids he's going to educate them. They start seeing the value. So when they open the fridge, why must I buy all these other drinks? Let me buy this drink. So I don't think I'm, I'm the right person to even ask if there's such a thing as a bad or a good idea because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm creative. I'm innovative. But as somebody that thinks that way, you need the right people around you as well to guide you and say, it, this is a dying industry because you can't get into an industry that is dying. It's like newspapers. Newspapers, it's a dying industry unless you go digital or you go, you know, the route that is taken. But the traditional old way of studying a magazine or studying a newspaper, that is all dying. You can't get into that industry. So if you come up with an idea like that, I'm going to try and show you the future of that industry where it's going. Is that, is that the space you want to pursue? Um. Gareth, when, when DJ's Boo says you don't get into business to make money, and you know, you, you shared with us earlier how you didn't sleep some nights because you were thinking, oh, where's the money going to come from? I mean, for you, what, what's your stance on that? Why then do you get into business? And then for you, how did you then decide that one idea was not worth your time, so you abandoned it, versus this one of cliffcentral.com and sticking with it? Mabs, I only work to make sure you get paid every month. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm happy with that response. <laughs> <laughs> then that's the end of the question. Um, sure. I don't know. You know, money money is a money is a token for the estimation of the value. So it, it's it's bound to happen that at some point, someone will tell you what they think your idea is worth. And sometimes someone will put their money into that idea. Sometimes you'll have to put your own money into that idea. 
Sometimes you'll need Standard Bank to help you. Sometimes you'll need Spoo and his network to help you. Um, as it was, we decided not to have investors from the outset, which is a tougher path because you have to make sure that the balance sheet works at the end of the day. Um, but you have to really, you have to believe in your idea ten times the level that anybody who gets an investor has to believe in an idea because you can always fail with an investor after you've kept going for three years. And you can say, oh, well, nice experiment, and it's the investor's problem. But if you do it on your own, you've got to watch that you don't get yourself into trouble where you need to suddenly take out emergency loans and things because I think that's where managing the money is, is important. And it also has to do with experience. In, in that respect, I mean, you know, Rena started um, talk radio in this country with, with uh, Stan Katz and John Burks and Izzy Kirsch. So she knows this business, and she feels, I'm going to sort of quote you out of turn here and paraphrase you a bit, but Rena feels there's so many similarities to what was the foundation, essentially, of Prime Media, one of the biggest independent media groups in this country, back in the days when 702 went from music to talk, and she was there to help manage that. She feels that when she joined there, a year into their first efforts in AM radio, that it felt the same as what it feels like at Cliff Central now. So there's an energy you get from people that has nothing to do with money too. Where we're working at the moment feels like I imagine Google felt when they started Google. Like I think Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and all of those other businesses that are now valued in the hundreds of billions on the, the New York Stock Exchange started like. Because it's this energy. People just believe in it. The reason I can get Justice Malala, uh, Adrian Grunewald, Trevor Gumbi, Casper de Vries onto this platform is because they believe in it too. I don't have to convince people. The only people I seem to have to try and convince are the, are the people who don't believe in very much at all. It's the same people who want to move to Perth or those are the kind of people, those are the kind of people we struggle to convince. And I'm wondering whether it's worth convincing those people of anything. Because the people who believe are already there, and they, they're hungry for what we're doing. I'm thrilled to say. So I'm, I'm on the supreme optimist, supremely positive trajectory. And I think that that's also what we need at this stage. We need people with ideas like Spoo's ideas. Because there's no way that big companies or the government can dig us out of this hole. They cannot, they, they, they are not capable. Every job that government creates is an expense for the country. It's not going to affect us on the positive side of the balance sheet. Big companies are employing less and less people and their margins are getting tighter and tighter. And it's probably because we have such a unique political environment and there are unions and there are all kinds of other complications. But government and big business are tied up like this anyway. And the people outside of that are the ones we're depending on to create businesses to create jobs, to create value. We're going to have to do it without the help. And we will, because we're fearless and because we see opportunities and not obstacles. Um, I think now would be a good time to, to wrap things up. Uh, firstly, thank you very much, uh, DJs Boo and Gareth Cliff, for joining us this evening. I think um, um, words of wisdom have just been pouring out of both of you this evening. You, you two are definitely trendsetters. You're game changers. You're obviously inspirational. You've got a lot of people looking up to you. And uh, thank you very much for giving of your time this evening to, 
to share your story and your, your personal journeys with all of us. So thank you both. And then also a big thank you to Paul and Motlazi and uh, Lesejo and Gavelo and your team, everyone, the, the Standard Bank team, thank you for making this evening possible. Um, we look forward to going home and start generating great ideas and coming to you and asking you for money to bake them. LAUGHTER